0: We'll go ahead and grab a Bible, open it to John chapter 15 with me. That's where we're going to be spending some time together this morning. Uh, we just wrapped up our series in the book of Jonah for the past five or six weeks, and we spent some time in the past year in the Gospel of Mark, which we're going to return to in the fall to wrap up that book. We uh, typically here uh, walk through a book of the Bible. That's usually what our preaching looks like. We Pick a book, we go through it, about 75, 80% of the Sundays that you'll be here, that's what uh, you can expect. But for the summer, we're going to do things a little differently and take a few weeks to look at this new series called Rhythms on the screen, looking at strong, regular, repeated patterns of movement. This is essentially a study in spiritual disciplines where we're going to look at, over the course of the summer, different regular habits, patterns that we as believers should be moving in, in order to be healthy and to see growth in our lives in Christ. And so each week we're going to take a different topic, whether it's scripture or prayer, a different rhythm, the rhythm of community, of rest, of service, of confession, whatever it might be, and see what scripture has to say about that. So this week is sort of an introduction to the topic, and we're going to be in John chapter 15. This whole series is really based out of a conviction that uh, health doesn't just happen. Being healthy, fruitful, growing in your life usually doesn't accidentally come about. And I learned this a couple months ago when my wife and I, Amber, did a 30-day clean eating challenge. We did it through Arbonne. Uh, maybe you've done or heard of the Whole 30. Anybody? Some yeses, some no's. Okay. It's uh, basically you take out a lot of food that tastes good, um, <laughs> sugar and carbs and bread and dairy, and you replace it with vegetables. Okay. And the idea is that by cutting out the bad food, the sugar and the carbs and whatever else, and replacing it with, with good healthy food, like vegetables, that you would be healthier and have more energy and uh, be sharper mentally, be more present, and you'd be, uh, your digestion would be better. Right? Overall, you'd be a healthier person. But what I found was that eating that way takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of planning, meal planning, shopping list and preparation and meal prep and, and thinking about what you can eat and avoiding what you can't eat and looking at ingredients and preparing your snacks ahead of time because you can't just grab a granola bar or grab a candy bar or something quick. You have to, you have to think about what you're going to eat. It takes more work and more preparation and intentionality. And see, the same is true in other areas of our lives. Like, has anyone ever accidentally gotten into really good physical shape? <laughs> you know, you just, like, one day wake up and you, just, you start running, you start going to the gym all the time, you just put, No, it, it, that doesn't happen without planning, intentionality, determination, commitment, right? It takes effort and thought. Same is true in our relationships, our relationships with our spouses or our friends, right? Health doesn't just happen. It takes work, it takes communication, it takes learning together, growing together, and so on. This is true in so many areas of our lives. Health doesn't just happen, and the same is true in our spiritual lives, in our life with the Lord. Health and growth doesn't just happen. We have to intentionally think about how we're living, how God has called us to live, what sorts of rhythms we should work into our lives to stay connected to the Lord and grow in Him. And so that's what we're going to look at this summer, is being healthy, growing. What are those regular habits and rhythms that we should see in our lives if we want to be healthy in Christ? As we look to Scripture Uh, There's a lot of different ways we could approach this or passages that speak to this, but one that comes to mind is John chapter 15, which I've asked you to turn to, and we're going to read it right now. John chapter 15, Jesus gives us this image, this metaphor for growth and health and uh, bearing fruit in our lives. You'll see his words here. John 15, let me read it for us, starting in verse 1. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus' words here in John 15 come towards the end of his life in ministry. It's a part of a bigger section of teaching known as the Farewell Discourse, which is exactly as it sounds. Jesus talking with his disciples, preparing them, teaching them for life after his death and resurrection, when he's no longer physically walking there with them. And he gives them this image or metaphor for growth and for their continued health. And you notice he's talking about a vine and branches and a gardener and fruit. And this is imagery that maybe isn't as familiar to us, but to the audience in the first century, it'd be very familiar. They all were well acquainted with agriculture, vineyards, gardening, and the like. For some of us, gardening is maybe a hobby, but for most of us, we're pretty removed from uh, food and dirt and agriculture and, and vineyards in that way. But to the audience, this would make perfect sense. And you see Jesus pretty clearly explaining our life as Christians connected to him in the same way that a branch is connected to the vine. You see it in the text. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. So Jesus is saying, like an olive branch or a grape vine, I am the vine, the source of life, the source of energy and strength flows through me, And you are the branches. You have to stay connected to me in order for that life to flow through you and for fruit to be produced in your life. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so notice in the text that bearing fruit is the outcome or the the result, the goal of this relationship with the Lord. He says, remain in me in verse 4. As I remain in you, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. So what's all this fruit talk about? Maybe it sounds a little foreign. Again, we don't Talk like this today. You don't sit across from someone at Starbucks and say, How much fruit you bearing lately? (laughs) Right? Tell me about what kind of fruit you've been bearing in your life. We don't we don't talk that way. And so maybe it's a little confusing. Jesus, what what are you talking about? What does this mean? (coughs) It's a broad metaphor he's using, referring to some kind of result or Or product of that relationship with him. As the branch is connected to the vine, the branch would bear fruit. And so as we are connected to Jesus, our lives should produce something. There should be some kind of result from that life in Christ. There should be something we can see out of it. And so this fruit could be something external, something visible. Sometimes it's acts of service or the way that we love our families the way that we serve others love others the way that we give of our time of our money there's there's something we can look to and say uh, here's something tangible that my life in Christ has led to but sometimes this fruit is internal it's something within a transformation going on in our hearts i mean we think of galatians chapter 5 and how it speaks of the fruit of the spirit the fruit or the results of God's presence in us, that passage says, is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and so on. And so the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of God's presence in our lives are these internal character changes, heart changes, attitude changes where we see more love and more joy and more peace within our hearts. And so fruit, you will bear fruit, seems like you could have external examples and internal transformation. Both are, I think, in the realm of what Jesus is talking about. And so here's a helpful way to think about it. What fruit does an orange tree produce? Oranges. Thank you. What fruit does an apple tree produce? Apples. What fruit does a grapevine produce? Grapes. Grapes. Right. So, what fruit does a Jesus vine produce? I mean, Jesus. Right. I mean, doesn't it doesn't it seem like that would be the connection that this Jesus plant, this Jesus vine, would produce more Jesus? I mean, more of Christ's character in our lives, His heart within us more of Jesus and his work through us his love for others through us and so it seems that if we are connected to the Jesus plant we would bear Jesus fruit we'd see more Jesus within us more Jesus flowing through us and unto others but you notice the key the key to bearing fruit what does the text say Remain in me, verse 4, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so, what's he saying? Over and over again, remain in me, remain in me, remain in me. Maybe your translation says abide, abide in me. It's the idea of staying in, continuing in, dwelling in, remaining in relationship, present, dwelling, walking in this way continually. Which again, the metaphor makes sense if you think about a vine and a branch. If, I'm not a gardening expert, but I know enough to know if you break a branch off of a tree or of a vine and you throw it on the ground, the vine, excuse me, the branch is not going to bear fruit, right? If it's disconnected from the plant, it's going to shrivel up and die and not produce much of anything, And so Jesus is saying, if you want to be alive and vibrant and bear fruit, you have to remain in me. You have to stay connected to me. And so as we look at these rhythms over the course of the summer, these spiritual disciplines, if you will, these are ways to stay connected to Jesus. Things we should do, practices, habits that should be in our lives that help us stay connected to Jesus. That's the heart of this. And it is so important that we understand this because it's possible to really misunderstand spiritual disciplines and think about spiritual disciplines or or rhythms as things that we do to improve ourselves or things that we do to ourselves. Like, Pastor just gives us a list, like this this workout regimen, and I take the list and I go and I hit the weight room. And I'm going to lift some weights and get really strong and just go and do my thing and get it done. But that's not the metaphor Jesus gives us. He doesn't give us the image of a weight room where we just read the Bible and, and pray and be in community. And it's like those things in themselves have some sort of power apart from Jesus. That's, that's not The way it works, rather those disciplines, those practices are ways that we stay connected to Jesus. So it's not just, here's your workout list, go get it done on your own, and it'll make you strong. It's, no, here's the ways we stay connected to Jesus. It's a big difference. And so this really gets to the heart, friends, of of what it means to be a Christian. This uh, organic, life-giving, continual relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what the verse is telling us. Remain in me. This connection, this relationship is the key to living a fruitful, healthy life. And again, this is significant. It's foundational because sometimes when we think about our life in Christ, or what it means to be a Christian, we think about it in terms of what we get from Jesus, right? As if Jesus is over here, and He has this little gift for us, and this gift is salvation. He wants to give it to us, so He says, "Hey, you want salvation? Just come, come and grab it." And He sends it, in. so, so we were like, "Wow, I want, I want that." So we go, "Thank you, Jesus. Let me take this, and I'm gonna go I'm gonna put this little gift in my pocket, and I'm going to go over here. Thanks, Jesus. Yeah, hey, Jesus gave me salvation. I'm going to take it, you know, it's great. Or, you know, maybe Jesus has this gift, and it's, you know, forgiveness of sins or adoption into his family or whatever it might be that we celebrate in the gospel, some particular angle of the gospel, and he gives it to us. We're like, wow, I'm going to take this gift and I'm going to put it in my pocket. I'm going to go over here. Thanks, Jesus. Appreciate the gift. Now, in some way, it's right to think about salvation as a gift because the Bible uses that language. But uh, in this sense, it's kind of not helpful or the truest way to think about salvation because primarily salvation is not just a gift we get from Jesus as if he extends something apart from himself to us. Like he gives us something that we take and put in our pocket. That's not the image that the New Testament gives us. Rather, the image that the New Testament gives us is that we, through faith, are joined to him. We're united with Christ, connected to him, are found in him. Okay, salvation is not a gift apart from him. It's being joined to him. Okay, let me show you some passages in the New Testament that teach this, 2 Corinthians 517, maybe we've heard it, if anyone is what? In Christ, he is a new creation. Romans 8.1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, Jesus. Galatians 3.26, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. This is the doctrine of union with Christ that teaches all of the blessings of salvation, forgiveness of sins, adoption into God's family, justification, sanctification, glorification. All of those things come not as a gift apart from Christ himself, but as being joined to Christ. It's connected to him. Our life now found in him. And it's through that union that all of these blessings come. So to be saved is to be united to the Savior. And this is the language that John 15 is getting at. Stay connected to me. Through faith, you are found in me. So now live in that reality. Walk in this way. Obey me. Follow me. Live this out. Remain, John 15 says. Remain. It's highly relational language. It's not just a transaction that took place 20 years ago or something that happened when you were baptized when you were a kid. Now salvation is being connected to Christ in this daily, living, active relationship where you know him and he knows you. And you listen to him and you you follow him. Think about it this way: How many of you prefer tea to coffee? Just a few. Everybody else, coffee over tea. Mm. Amen. I, I'm a coffee guy. I didn't it used to be. But then I became a pastor. It's part of the job description: You've got to drink a lot of coffee. So, but, but I'm gonna throw you tea people out here. You guys are gonna win this one. Okay. This one's for you. Think about the way coffee is made. You take some grounds and you put it in the filter. have some right here. A lot of props this morning, a lot of props. And what happens? The water from the machine comes down through the grinds and rushes down into the cup. It doesn't linger here very long, right? It just kind of shoots on through, absorbs what it needs, and then it's down in the cup for you to enjoy. I'm just going to pass this around so you guys can smell it. Breathe it in. Rub it on your skin. Um, Okay, now, so that's how coffee is made, right? Unless you have a French press, but the French press doesn't work with my metaphor, so forget about the French press right now. (laughs) We're just talking about a coffee maker or maybe a Keurig, right? K-cup. Put the little cup in there. Water shoots on down through. Now, how is tea made? Steeps. Yeah. You take that... Bag of tea, you put it in the cup, you pour the water in, and it sits there. And it soaks. And it steeps. We're going to pass this around too, all right? (laughs) And that tea, when connected with the water, the flavor of the tea leaves comes out, the aroma comes out, it steeps, it spends some time in there. Sometimes you drink the whole cup and you don't take it out. Sometimes you take it out before. But the idea is that it steeps and it sits and it's, it's connected for a while. It's not in a rush to get anywhere. It's not in a rush to get through those coffee grounds down into the cup. And so as we think about remaining in Christ, abiding in him, think about it like a cup of tea. You steep, spend time Soak up his life, his word. Let it change you. I think this is the image that Jesus gives us. And so the idea as we unpack this over the course of the summer is what are these rhythms? What are these ways that we remain in Christ? These ways that we steep in him and in His word. And so you're going to have to come back each week as we unpack them and look at time in God's word and time in prayer and time in fellowship and community and time in rest and service and confession and Sabbath and all kinds of things like that. And so I hope that uh, you'll you'll join us as we go on that journey. But perhaps a way for all of us, even if you're not going to be back the rest of the summer, to think about this passage and apply it, is, Lord, am I connected to you? Am I remaining in you? Am I abiding in you, Jesus? Using this imagery, Jesus, if you're the vine and I'm the branch, am I connected to you? Do I spend any time with you? If this is supposed to be this life-giving, vital relationship, where I'm dependent upon you for everything, Lord, does my life show that? Do I turn my attention to you? Do I spend any time with you? And we'll explore more ways to do that this summer. Now, for some of us, the words of Jesus here are a little hard to believe, right? In verse 4, he's saying, you can't bear fruit unless you remain in me or apart from me, you can do nothing. That sounds a little extreme, are really that dependent upon Jesus for everything or that dependent upon Jesus to bear fruit? I mean surely in my own strength, I'm a smart enough person, you know, I could do some good things. I could help some people on my own in a way that will be pleasing to God. I'm a good person. Certainly there are ways that we can obey and do things that God's Word tells us to do, but there's a difference between real fruit and fake fruit. There's a difference between real fruit that comes from the vine, the life of the vine through the branches and results in real living fruit. There's a difference between that and what I would call duct-taped fruit. Really, I mean, some of us want to be a better person, maybe we feel a little guilty, so we want to try harder, we want to do more, and so we look to ourselves, and we try and do things in our own strength, we try and do good things without the life of God in us, and what we end up with is duct tape fruit, and so what we do is we have this this dead branch it's not alive. It doesn't have the life of God, the life of Christ within. And we say, man, this, I feel pretty bad about my dead branch. I, I need some fruit on this. So we say, I, I'll, I'll go get some fruit. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to put it here. And God wants fruit. So you know what? We are going to make this happen. Put this on here. i going to duct tape some fruit dead branch. We say, look, Lord. <laughs> There's fruit on my branch. <laughs> look at me. But it's pretty easy to tell the difference, right? Between real fruit and fake fruit. Fruit that was just duct taped onto the branch. Fruit that doesn't come from a a living relationship with Jesus, but just comes in our own strength with a a dead branch. And see, this is where the gospel of Jesus Christ is so needed. Not just in a transactional sense, right, that we're forgiven, saved, and God says, hey, you're, you're free to go, not just in a transactional sense, but the gospel is transformational as well. The gospel changes us. It it changes our hearts. It gives us new life within. So we don't come to God again just for some transaction and forgiveness. That's true. That's part of the process. But the gospel changes us. It doesn't leave us as we are because what does Jesus say? He says, verse Five, I'm the vine, you are the branches. I'm the source of life. If you're connected with me, true life will be in you. Something new and different will be happening in your heart that could not happen apart from me. See, sometimes we, we reduce Jesus to a good example to follow. You say, wow, he's bearing fruit, he's loving people, and so we should, we should bear fruit as well. But Jesus, of course, is more than just a good example. Jesus is our Savior. He's the only true source of life, the only way that we can be forgiven of our sins, reconciled to God, healed, forgiven, freed, adopted into God's family. It's through faith in Jesus Christ and responding to him that we are saved and changed. But again, hear me, that is not just a transaction. It's not just a transactional process. It's a transformational process that then we begin to have this new life in us through Christ. We grow. He changes us and gives us new desires and and new passions and allows us to to actually obey and to serve Him and, and walk with Him forever. This type of new life only comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's found nowhere else. There's one last piece of this text that I want us to see before we wrap up. You notice verses 1 and 2, we read them together. They say this, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And so sticking with the vine and the branches and the vineyard imagery, Jesus adds to it and says that God the Father is the gardener. We're connected to Jesus. God in his grace, his wisdom, his sovereignty is looking at us and our lives and is at work in us that we might bear more fruit. Yes, there's a warning here that the branch that does not bear fruit will be removed if it's not truly alive, but every branch that does bear fruit, he does what to? He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Again, I'm not a vineyard expert, but I know the process of pruning is important where parts of the vine, the branch, are are cut away so that what remains is able to be even more fruitful, even more productive. It can grow in a way that it could not before. Even though the process of pruning seems painful or maybe seems like a step back, it actually is really significant in the life of that plant and allows it to grow even more than it would have before. And so as we think about growing, as we think about these rhythms we're going to be talking about over the course of the summer. I just want you to see in John 15 that it's not you going out and doing this in your own strength. Not only are you connected to Jesus and the life and the change comes through Him, but God the Father the gardener is at work in your life and His sovereignty is looking at your life, pruning you so that you might grow and be more fruitful. We see that God wants this. Verse 8 tells us, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. It glorifies God when we live in ways that honor Him, when we love Him above all else, and when we love our neighbors. It glorifies God. And so God is at work in this process for His glory and For our good. But the thing about pruning is that it can be painful for us. On this side of the pruning, it feels like a loss because things are being cut out of our lives. Parts of the branch are being cut off. And so as we seek to grow in Christ... It's not always a painless process. It's not always easy or comfortable. There are things that God needs to prune out of our hearts and out of our lives, whether it's self-dependency or a relationship or a hobby or a job or maybe a dream within us that God is going to take away that seems painful, that feels like a loss but that God is going to use to bear fruit in our lives. Those things come not because God is punishing us, but because he is good, and he loves us, and he wants good things for our lives. So as we close, friends, I want us to consider whether today or just the rest of the week, Lord, am I connected to you? Am I remaining in you as you told me to do in John 15? Am I abiding? Am I in Christ? Is my faith in you, Lord? We have to start there. Don't hear me preaching just moralisms. Say, go and get these things done and you'll be happy. I don't want you to go out here and just duct tape fruit onto your branches. I want you to stay connected to Jesus to trust Him, to follow Him, to enjoy and experience the life that comes through Him, in Him alone. And I encourage you, if you're here today and you've never made that decision, you've never said, yes, Jesus, I need your life, I need your forgiveness, I need you to come and change me and forgive me and bring me back to a relationship with you, I encourage you to pray that prayer today. Let today be the day that you say yes to Jesus and experience salvation now and forever. And for those of us that are walking with the Lord, have been following Jesus for some time, I would encourage you to to recommit, reprioritize him in your life. Say, Jesus, you tell me in John 15 to remain in you, remain in you, remain in you. I want to remain in you. Help me to do that. Would you pray with me? (coughs) Father, we want to say thank you again for your word. Jesus, thank you for your work on the cross to save us, to forgive us, to reconcile us to you. And thank you, Jesus, that now your life is in us. Your life is flowing through us, bearing fruit, Lord. We pray that you would help us stay connected to you. Help us to remain in you. Help us to abide. Help us to walk in your ways, Lord, for your glory and for our good and the good of your world. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.